Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Ron, I want to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Thank you, Don. I appreciate being here. So Ron Ziegler is one of the key leaders, the head of what's called CETA, which stands for Community Economic Development Associates. I got to learn about CETA through my good friend, Pam Bishop, up at the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. Really became intrigued with their model for working with primarily smaller rural communities. And so, Ron, typically with our podcast, I like to start by just giving you a little bit of space to introduce yourself by way of your journey that has brought you to CETA and the work you're doing today. Well, thank you, Don. First, before I jump into that, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you've done for entrepreneurial work in rural businesses, rural communities. You've put in a lot of years of service and it shows. And your efforts have been great. And those are things that we like to piggyback on, quite frankly. My journey started in a small town in central South Dakota, quite frankly. I was born to parents that both were entrepreneurs. The community is very small, so they needed to be able to do things on their own. And then it led me into my studies. And I have an economics degree. And I started my economic development career, if you will, with a private organization that did real estate investment trusts, which if you remember way back, there's the Tax Reform Act of 86. And I realized I'm really dating myself. That was the start of the end of that type of work. And I went into the public sector then and did some work in both the city of Pine Island and the city of Lake City. I was in Lake City for a decade. And then I came to the nonprofit side and I've been with CETA for the last 20 years. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for the kind comments, Ron. It's mutual. I've admired your work and the work of CETA. We kind of have a similar journey. One of my hometowns is Mullen in central Nebraska. On the 4th of July, maybe there's 500 people around. (laughs) And my parents were entrepreneurs as well. So anyway, some common connections there. Thank you for sharing your story. I think our audience really wants to learn more about CETA, Community Economic Development Associates. And so share a little bit about what CETA does. Might also share what are the origins of CETA? CETA has been around for 38 years. For a number of years, we were actually called the Southeastern Minnesota Development Corporation. We are a 501c3. Probably in, oh, maybe 2009, 2010, we started having inquiries from all parts of the state of Minnesota. And uh, we went ahead and changed our name to what it is today, CETA, to better reflect the options and opportunities that are out there. It's difficult to talk about projects in northern Minnesota or southern metro area when we're actually called Southeast Minnesota Development Corp. So (laughs) that's when we changed our name. We started out as a grant writing, grant administration company. 
We still do that today. We have a, a grants department that is wildly successful in the percentage of acceptance of the, the grants that we author. We also have a very large department, what we call our community service providers. And we do community support and we provide in-house staffing services for community development and economic development for cities, counties, organizations that are interested in helping us meet the goal of trying to revitalize rural America. And if there are ways to do that, we try and become involved. We have a 45-member team that is spread out across the state of Minnesota. We are into Iowa, and we are into Wisconsin as well right now. And if there are ways that we can try and improve rural America, we will become involved in them. We try and do a yes-we-can attitude rather than no-we-can't attitude. We haven't ran into many things that we couldn't figure out a solution for, but that's the basics of CETA is we still do grant writing. We do our community support program. We have a planning department that does comprehensive plans, housing studies, strategic plans, and the like. We have a government relations department that is a key component of creating relationships between small communities and their elected officials. And we also have a marketing department. So we try and cover a lot of areas in assisting in rural America. Well, one of the things that really intrigues me, and it's rooted in the work we've done with Pam Bishop in southern Minnesota with their REV initiative, which for our audience, we've got some podcasts with Pam on that, and it's an entrepreneurial communities initiative, primarily working with smaller rural communities in southern Minnesota. And of course, that's where I began to run across some of your CETA folks who were working with some of those communities It really caught my attention, Ron, and I'd like to have you share a bit more about that because smaller rural communities need staffing. They struggle to find the right people. They struggle to sustain it. But with your model, they can really tie into some staffing through you with maybe a stronger support network and system. And so I think that's really important for our communities that are smaller and maybe struggle with How do you find somebody to help you with community economic development? You hit the nail on the head, Don. How do these communities find people that can provide the professional services that are out there? So our model is based on communities that are essentially 8,000 or under or rural counties. And our staff is embedded in their offices. And it's our responsibility to bring forth community and economic development projects but we have these staff that share or have shared services among multiple communities. We do need the realization from the communities and the counties that it isn't the days of in the 1970s where communities tried to rob other communities' businesses. We're all in this together and we need a regional approach. So if we can provide small rural communities with a swing at the plate, that's all we ask for. Just because you're a small community doesn't mean that you can't have the things that larger communities have. Yes, you may have them on a different scale, but you still should be able to have those opportunities that are there. So we bring in professional people. They see what is needed. We create a work plan. We put together a list of duties that we try and accomplish for the local economic development authorities, local city governments, and the like. Yeah, we really saw evidence of the value of that in the communities in southern Minnesota that had CETA staff working with them. 
they tended to progress through the REV program much more quickly. Really could see the benefit of that. Now, in these situations, they don't necessarily have to be a full-time person that they're contracting with you for their community, correct? That is correct. We have contracts that are full-time, quite frankly, more than full-time, where we have more than one person in a community. But we also have contracts that are as small as one day every other week where we provide services, or we can do it on a project basis too. The whole key is give these communities a swing at the plate. And most rural communities have limited staff. So their city administrator, city clerk, may be part-time. They may be full-time, but their plate is full with all of the functions of running a community. And that's where we come in and try and provide these services to bring in these extra things that they may typically not have time to do. Well, and the other value added that really catches my eye is, of course, you're retaining these people, you're professionally training them, you're supporting them, but then they also have your network and the experience of your network in terms of how to do community economic development. It seems to me that that's a value added that goes beyond simply buying a little bit of somebody's time. Correct. And what we like to say is that when you contract with us, you don't just get the person that's assigned to you, you get all of us. So you get the 45 of us and the experience that we have and everything. So you are correct. So how many communities do you have this kind of arrangement in just off the cuff? I would guess we're probably around 65. Well, as you know, I have been an advocate in encouraging some of the communities in my home state of Nebraska Mm -hmm. to uh, Mm -hmm. pull the trigger and to bring you guys in. And I hope that will happen at some point because I love the model. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit because there's some exciting things happening with CETA. One of your champions and real supporters is Compere Financial Services. For our audience, Compere's one of the regional agricultural and rural lenders, farm credit in other parts of the country. You've got some exciting work that you're doing with Compere right now. Share a little bit about this new collaboration as a result of some of the support that Compere is providing you. I'm glad to. Compere has been a longtime strong supporter of our agency. They are by far the largest investor into our organization. Our funding comes about 92% from the services that we provide, and we get about 8% of our funding from other sources, which Compere is one of them. And Compere has invested in a couple of our programs right now. One of them is the Rural Business Innovation Lab, and they invested heavily in that for us to go ahead and create that program. And it's been highly successful, and we're looking at our second cohort to start in 2024. But the biggest investment that Compere has made in CETA is in our organization itself. They believe in our mission. They believe in our goals. Their goals align with ours quite closely. And their territory is through most of Minnesota, through a good share of Wisconsin, through the upper two-thirds of Illinois, which is fairly close to the alignment that we have, and we will be expanding into those areas. Compere is looking to learn, and the best way to learn about rural America is to work with an organization that is lives and breathes rural, and that is us. And so they've invested a million dollars in us to help us with our expansion. You know as well as anybody that is a nonprofit, instant where there's money just laying all over the place to do expansions. 
I think we've been fairly successful in expanding our services and funding our own growth over the years, but the injection of cash from Compere is going to allow that to happen in a better manner, I guess is a good way to put it. And I just can't say enough good about the relationship that CETA has with Compere. It's very open, it's very honest, and we just want to see what's best for rural America. Yeah, Compere is impressive in terms of their support for rural communities and their mission. It's a real compliment, their support for you all. Talk a little bit more about the lab. You said you're getting some good success. You're getting ready to start a second cohort. Give us an illustration of what the Innovation Lab does. We have three team members that are dedicated to working on the Rural Business Innovation Lab, and they've been very creative in what they have been able to work up and create, quite frankly. This is their brainchild, and this is something that Courtney Burgey, Cameron Payne, and Robert Harris have brought forward, and they created this from scratch. And it's a process, if you will, to assist entrepreneurs in their efforts to grow their company. And there was an application process that was gone through. And I think we had eight different businesses in our first cohort. And they were assisted in many different ways from business planning to marketing and the like. And the end goal, of course, is to create bigger, stronger companies. And I think we've been able to accomplish that. I do think that these companies will continue to flourish. Again, Compere was a huge financial resource for this project that we have moving forward. So there are funds available to bring on consultants that are specialists in these different areas. And these entrepreneurs would not be able to access these specialists if it weren't for the work of the Rural Business Innovation Lab. Some people may say, well, eight isn't very many businesses, but eight is better than zero. And if we can break the mold of losing businesses after the first year, I think that is a success for us. And what we're really trying to do with this is to change the rural narrative. I don't know if you remember, but a number of years ago, the front page of the Minneapolis Star Tribune had a picture of a main street in in rural Minnesota, and the headline was something about the death of small towns or something like that. And we don't believe that. We believe that Small towns are thriving in in some areas. Some are not thriving as well as others, but that's what we're trying to change is that narrative. And as we created the, the Rural Business Innovation Lab, it provides opportunities to tell the story of these businesses that will be able to employ people and bring in outside dollars into the region. Nothing like success and stories to kind of change people's perceptions. What you're doing with the lab really reminds me about some of the work that Tom Field, who was my guest last month with the Engler program, is doing in Nebraska with agri-entrepreneurs, primarily University of Nebraska students that want to go home and start or take over businesses. And then also, you're probably familiar, but some of the work that Beth did with Dakota Rising in South Dakota a number of years ago, where they had cohorts of entrepreneurs. In both of those cases, those stories are really causing people to think differently about what is possible, but also, and I don't know if you're seeing this, but to get rural people themselves to think differently about what's possible in their community. Sometimes we're our own 
worst enemy in terms of believing the glass is half empty and some of these possibilities aren't real. A lot of times it's not the outside people we need to convince about the success of rural. It's the people that are already there and the great things that can happen if everybody works together in common goal. So a couple more things. There's another exciting initiative that's taking root in Wisconsin. Uh, You've alluded to it. You're a partner in it. Compere is a partner. Minnesota Rev is a partner. University of Wisconsin Extension is playing a core role. And of course, CETA is a strategic partner. But the idea is to bring entrepreneurial communities to rural Wisconsin. So talk a little bit about the roles that CETA will be playing in that collaborative with the University of Wisconsin and others that's launching from what I saw from Brandon with Extension, it sounds like probably by mid-year, we may have a cohort of communities up and running in Wisconsin. It's a great thing. Partnerships that are coming together to try and do great things. You mentioned the partners that are in this project. CETA is a proud partner to be participating in this. I'm anticipating that our input is going to be in the community coaching aspect. That's an important element. That's what we're good at, quite frankly. We can go into communities. We can try and promote them and, quite frankly, push them into things to think about, things to look at, things to check out if they're willing to invest in. You know, small communities need to invest in themselves. There's no doubt about that. But there are opportunities for partnerships to come in, of which this is one right now. Extension has done wonderful work. You've done some wonderful work in this in getting it put together. And we're just excited to be a partner of this. It would be fun to see the communities that will actually apply to be part of this and how we can help them grow and prosper. We're going to be circling around at the end of 2024 to kind of take stock, but it's an exciting new initiative. And I think there'll be some great learning, but also building on some really good work that is going on in Wisconsin with your organization, with Extension and others. And so it should be exciting. Well, as I shared with you, Ron, this time together goes quickly, but I want to finish us up with one final question. So as you think about CETA and your work, what would you like to have to be true a year from now? That's a great question. And the interesting thing with CETA is when I came to the company 20 years ago, I was actually team member number six. So now we're about 45. I said this at our annual meeting last year, and I would venture to guess that CETA is probably one of the fastest growing self-sustaining nonprofits, not only in Minnesota, but maybe in the nation. When you look purely at that number of employees, I can't envision a company a nonprofit that has grown exponentially like we have. And we've been able to sustain that growth along with the partners that are involved in us, the compeers and all of those groups. And as I think about your question as to what would I like to see a year from now, I would like to see us with a continuous growth pattern. I would love to see us with capacity, team member capacity. Right now, we've really been where we're more reactionary than proactionary. And that is just because of the growth and the word of mouth. We do very little proactive marketing. 
it's been more of a response to inquiries. That's great. Those are solid candidates or prospects for our work. But I would really love to see us where we could have people on staff that have a little bit of extra capacity that if a community does call and say, hey, I have this that I need to do as quick as I can, we have a little bit of capacity that we can make that happen. Right now, we try and make it happen, but it isn't like there's a whole lot of capacity. So I would love to see us where we can have the capacity to be able to grow when people inquire. I would love to see our team become more trained. If that's possible, we're a group of 45 people. I think I'm probably the oldest and uh, been around the longest, but there's things that I haven't seen in all my years of doing this. And it's not your father's Buick or whatever that saying is. It's a new world out there. And I think we've adapted to it fairly well, but I think we can always improve as we move forward. So that would be my dream, I guess, is to just continue our success that we've had and be able to do projects in communities and and make great things happen. I can really validate for our audience. I do think you have one of the most unique, scalable funding models in this collaborative work with communities. And that's a hard one, as you know, but I think you've really demonstrated that you can bring value and this can work. And of course, Pam and I've talked to you, but we hope at some point we can find a way for CETA to maybe provide staff to communities around this entrepreneurial navigation. That's my dream as we go forward, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for another day. Well, Ron, it's been great to have you as my guest today. Thank you for making time and thank you for the work that you're doing. You bet. Thank you, Don. Thanks for everything that you do. Well, folks, as we wrap up today, I just want to remind you of the resources that are available to you, primarily through our website, energizingentrepreneurs.org. That's where you can find all the work that we've done, the tools and the stories. You can identify our podcasts, and these are now organized around themes. So if you're looking for podcasts around funding or how to work with entrepreneurs, Hopefully that navigation is a little bit easier. And of course, at the end of the day, if you've got a question, just drop me an email and I'd be happy to talk to you. Specific to this podcast with Ron and Sita, we're going to share some information about Sita through their website, about Ron, so you get a better idea of who he is and why you should pay attention to what he says. And we'll remind you about the podcast and paper we did with Pam Bishop on REV, which is the e-community program in Southern Minnesota that now is going to become Wisconsin REV, I guess, is the name that we settled on. So as we wrap up today, I just want to wish you all our best to you, our listeners, and to your efforts to grow stronger rural America, one community at a time. Thanks and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm -hmm.